0: This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us today and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And this week, we're going
1: to be exploring spiritual disciplines. And we found an expert in this area, Adele Calhoun, to talk to. Today, we're going to be talking about What Makes a Spiritual Discipline a Spiritual Discipline? But first, a little background on Adele. Adele has an MA from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and has worked in Christian ministry for over 40 years. She and her husband Doug currently work at High Rock Church in Arlington, Massachusetts. As a certified Enneagram instructor, they enjoy resourcing spiritual leaders and pastors through spiritual direction and teaching the Enneagram. Adele is the author of Spiritual Discipline's Handbook, Invitations from God, and the co-author of True You and Women and Identity. She's also the co-author of Spiritual Rhythms and the Enneagram, a handbook for harmony and transformation, which is due out this spring. Previously, Adele and her husband co-pastored Redeemer Community Church in Needham, Massachusetts, and she was formerly pastor of spiritual formation at Christ Church in Oak Brook, Illinois a retreat speaker, and trained spiritual director, she has taught courses at Wheaton College and Northern Seminary. In the early 1970s, she helped pioneer student work with the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students in Southeast Asia and in the Middle East. She has also worked with the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in New England and Canada, and with the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students in the West Indies and South Africa. So Adele has a lot to say on... How to Grow Using the Spiritual Disciplines. So in today's chapter, we get to talk to Adele about what makes a spiritual discipline a spiritual discipline, because in today's world, there are so many practices and and habits that we can incorporate into our daily life that do genuinely better us, but do those count as spiritual disciplines? And so I wanted to ask her, what makes a spiritual discipline such? And her answer really surprised me because it cut through a lot of just the self-help things we often hear and cut right to the heart of Jesus. So you're really going to want to pay attention to what that is.
2: Adele, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you. Glad to be with you.
2: I thought a good way of starting out this interview would just be to ask you, what led you to want to write a book on the spiritual disciplines? And and really what you've got here is is like what the title says, is it's a It's a handbook for the spiritual disciplines, and you go into a good amount of detail and cover a large number of spiritual disciplines. So what led you to write something like this?
3: So I was on the pastoral staff of a church in Chicago, and part of my job description was to provide the congregation and the leadership with practices, relationships, and experiences that would grow their spiritual life. So I didn't start out to write a book, I started out to give the elders one page or two pages on fasting as we went into Lent, or to give them um, one or two pages on centering prayer as we entered a season of prayer for church. So I simply supplied what I felt like people would read and would be practical and easy to engage because I felt like people aren't going to read a book about fasting unless they're really meek. (laughs) And I need to to capture people who aren't readers, and I need to capture activists and doers, and so it needs to just cut to the chase. So I just started out collecting practices, and I showed them one day to a friend, and she said, this is the book. And I said, it is? And so she contacted my editor at University Press, who contacted me and said, let me see your book. So that's how it all began. I never intended to write the book. And then I got on a roll. She said, how many practices do you think you'll do? And I said, well, maybe I'll do, you know, 20 or 30. And then the more I got into the book, the more I thought, there are so many ways for people to connect with God and I want them to feel like they can follow their desires and their longings into a practice that actually meets them where they are. So I I didn't want to limit it. So it just kept growing and growing. And in 2015, there was a new addition than the one you have that has 13 more practices added to it. So now... I've got to go out Bye. and get the new
2: one. <laughs> Were there... So that's interesting. Uh, you know, it does seem to be a growing number of practices that we can always add. What were some of the decisions what, um, coming to how you included a discipline or not? And, and maybe a, a way of answering that is we could talk about what makes a spiritual discipline a spiritual discipline. Can any practice be a spiritual discipline, or does it have certain requirements?
3: I think that's a beautiful question. And to me, a spiritual practice is anything that opens you to God and to worshiping God. And if you're doing that practice, it doesn't matter how wonderful it is, if it doesn't open you to God and loving and worshiping God, it's probably not the spiritual practice for you.
2: That's a, that's a great answer. I, I I completely agree with that because we have, it, it seems in our world today, a myriad of options, a, a myriad of of secular and Christian uh, recommendations for ways to structure and order our life, and and sometimes I think they can be wise, they can be really good advice, um, but it's really hard to figure out for the Christian life, if one's interested in growing in Christ, what's the best way of of doing that? What What are the essential practices? Even though it might be wise, it might not be essential to our life in Christ, and so Um, there is some wrestling with that. So I I like that definition. I think that makes it very clear as to what our focus should be on, um, which is worship. Uh, Were there any um, disciplines or practices that you thought at first you wanted to put in the book, but you ended up excluding because it didn't meet that definition?
3: Um, Not because it it didn't meet that definition, but Some practices I didn't include because I didn't think the Christian public would receive those practices, and I didn't want to alienate anybody and sort of uh, have them miss the good that was in the book just because there was something that they didn't agree with. I think I pushed the edge. Like, there's labyrinth prayer there, which for some has been problematic, and there may be others that are—I mean, I've been accused of being a mystic and— using, you know, all the practices of the Catholic Church. And and I think, well, a lot of these practices are just like praying the hours. That's a good old Jewish practice that goes way back to the Jews. It's not Catholic. It's not Benedictine. It started with the way that the Jews prayed their prayers and the way Jesus prayed the hours. And I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding because there's um, bad experiences maybe with some churches. And so then you discount count the practices like throwing the baby out with the bathwater rather than saying, is there something for me in this?
2: If you feel comfortable, could you tell us one or two of those practices that you didn't feel that the Christian public would respond well to?
3: Some of them are in the new book. So one I put in, I, I think this is, some of it reflects my own movement as well in how I open how I find myself opening to God and one of the practices in the in the new book that I I just love and has been so meaningful to me is solidarity in Jesus suffering that this is a real place that we all go in our spiritual life and we end up in suffering and then we're questioning God's goodness but there's a way of entering into this that puts us in solidarity with Jesus And filling up the cup of his sufferings, whatever that means in its fullness. So I feel like that's been just part of my journey in the last 15 years. And so it was something I wouldn't have recognized as a spiritual practice until I went through, you know, the wilderness, so to speak, a wilderness that pushed me to a new way of being with God. So that would be one that I don't think people should have problems with. It could be. In fact, a really healing way for them to understand difficulty. But one of the ones that I put in that might be difficult for people got put in because I had congregants come to me and say, my dentist or my doctor or my therapist said that I should practice mindfulness. And I'm worried about practicing mindfulness that it will open me up to bad things that it might, you know, open me to some Eastern stuff or bad stuff. And is mindfulness actually a practice that is safe for me to do as a Christian?
0: Mm-hmm. We're all about mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you, you brought that up because so I wrote a journal a couple of years ago called the daily growth journal and Part of the reason why I needed to write that for myself at the time was because I f- I found this practice of mindfulness and was very wary about it as well, and so sort of ventured into the study of Scripture and trying to figure out, you know, what is this mindfulness? Is it New Age, Eastern mysticism? You know, h- how does this relate? can Is it safe for a Christian to practice this? And I walked away with the resounding yes. Now, the way we talk about it or the way it's built oftentimes is very Eastern or new age practice, but I don't know how you can hear the words of Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow for today has its own troubles and walk away from saying like, that's a, that's a mindfulness practice. It's about being
0: present in the moment. <laughs>
3: that's right.
2: That's right. And so I I like to, like if somebody does have the problem with the word mindfulness, I like to just say, pay attention.
3: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: Notice. Notice. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I'm glad that you included that in there. I, I really will have to go and, and, and get the yeah, updated version great. because I, I think, at least for myself, it has been a huge practice that has helped me. Because I tend to be somebody who lives in the past, and, and I think as a person who does that, you sort of dwell on past mistakes, and you can really get wrapped up in shame. And, and Josh and I have talked about a lot of these experiences, and so mindfulness for for both of us, I'm going to speak for both of us here, I, I think has been a practice that has allowed us to at least say, it doesn't matter what happened in the past, if I can learn to just be present in the moment with God and recognize that He accepts me in this moment for who I am and what I'm doing, it's incredibly freeing.
3: It is, and it's the only place we can meet God this moment. We don't meet God in the past, and we don't meet God in the future. We meet God now.
2: You know that seems obvious, but that's a very profound point you're right <laughs> but we get we get stuck in yeah one day or I remember the good days of Egypt almost right, so
3: or we get stuck in our we bring the all the fears of the future into now, and then we can't even be present to the way God is here because we are so present to our fear or our worry or our anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's where I tend to go. I'm an introvert, and I tend to, to allow my internal world to just kind of take over every once in a while. And it typically just goes into the future and dwells there about possibilities that could happen and things that could go wrong. And I forget where I'm at.
3: <laughs> yep, catastrophic thinking. We're really good at it.
1: So today, as you go on your way, remember what makes a spiritual discipline. Is anything that opens you up to the presence of Jesus... And brings worship to him. And I think the best place to leave this is where the conversation ended with avoiding this catastrophic thinking and learning to be mindful with the Lord. Because if we're not present with him, we can't walk with him. Because Jesus can only walk with us in the present moment. That's the only moment that we get to experience. So, a spiritual discipline I would challenge you to begin practicing today if you're not already is mindfulness. And if that word scares you a little bit, that's okay. I would challenge you to change it to simply pay attention. Pay attention to what Christ is doing in your life. And by paying attention to Him and focusing on Him, you will open yourself up to Him in a lifestyle of worship. And that is walking out a spiritual discipline.
0: Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.